Turn to uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 9 and verse 8. Thank you. 2 Corinthians chapter 9 and verse 8. The Lord is real and He loves you. He loves you with an everlasting love. He loves you. I just, you know, I feel, and, and if you think I'm talking about you, I probably am right here. Um, isn't that comforting to know what I'm about to say is probably talking about you. Awesome. No, you'll know it. Uh, I feel that uh, there's almost like this worldly, I don't know about all this. I don't know about that healing. I don't know about the power of God and stuff like that. And uh, it, I, I know Paul knows about it. <laughs> I know Barrett knows about it. I know, I know that people that have received know about it. And uh, he is very real. And here's what I want you to do. Just ask yourself, ask the Holy Spirit. Say, Holy Spirit, help show me. Help show me today the realness of your love for me. Jesus, how much I believe in you. How much do you love me? And let him start. He's going to work throughout this whole service, and he's going to start touching your heart and tapping you, tapping your heart. And you're going to feel it. You're going to feel his love starting to move on you. You're going to feel it. You're going to feel it. And that's specifically for somebody who just might, you know, the world teaches us to doubt. God teaches us to believe, but the world teaches us to doubt. And uh, we have to recognize that. So um, this year already, I sent a pastor a note. This is a pastor that's done a whole lot of stuff. Uh, you sit there as long as you need to, brother. Um, this is a pastor that's very well accomplished, and I sent him a note yesterday, and I was just telling him how good God's been this year. And I said, this year in 2000, he asked me how things were going. I was like, man, they're going awesome. They're going great. And uh, in five months, uh, maybe six months now, uh, in six months, there's been over $420,000 worth of debt erased in you guys' lives. Uh, that's supernatural. That's life-changing. That's, every pastor I tell that, they go, that changes lives, you know. And see, we talked about debt being a bondage, but see, the Lord wants to bring us fullness of life in whatever area he's, he's he, well, he wants to get in every area of our life, you know. And uh, anyway, we, we prayed. He told us what to do. We were just obedient. You know, him being real to us, he told us what to do. We were obedient. And we, are, we erased that debt by prayer and fasting in January, and we started seeing that stuff manifest, started seeing knock off people and, and, and just be people be relieved. It's awesome. It's awesome. Not only that, uh, but then we've seen multiple people instantaneously healed. We've seen miracles already this year. We've seen the power of God in demonstration with testimonies to back it up, not just people having a moment, you know. Uh, he'll do that too. And that can be even more powerful because it can change a heart, which changes a life, which then changes a whole community or the world, right? So that we're not discounting that. But sometimes there's those things that really are markers of the power of God. Uh, we've seen uh, multiple people filled with the Spirit, praying in the Spirit, that are desiring that moving up to the next level in the maturity of Christ. Uh, we've also seen uh, now... At this point, 195 commitments to Christ just this year alone. 
just this year. I want you to agree with me because I'm ready to push that thing over 200. So I want you to believe for me, uh, with me, that God will put people in your lives this week and next week it'll be over 200. Amen? And when you're ready to, to lead them to Jesus when God puts them in front of you, but you need to believe, Lord, put somebody in front of me that I can lead to commit to you. Right? And all they got to do is pray out of their heart, with their heart, Jesus, you're my Lord, and I believe that God raised you from the dead. And just call on him for help. Just that's it. That's all you got to do is just lead them in that, and it be real to their heart. If they do, you need to make sure that you let people know about that. But I'm believing God for that to go over 200 this week. Amen? But that's uh, 195 commitments to Christ this year alone, and it's going to go up, 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 up. Amen? Amen. So we've had a great year going, and that's not all of it. That's just, you know, some of the high points there. But one of the things uh, that we've done is we've been talking a lot about our vision, and we've been moving into different pieces of it. One of those says living in abundance, abundance. So let me read you this verse. It says, and God is able to make all grace abound to you, all grace, so that ha always having all sufficiency in everything, you may have an abundance for every good deed. I guess I'm doing offering this morning. I didn't realize it, but I guess I am. Yeah. And God is able to make all grace abound to you so that always having all sufficiency in everything, you may have an abundance for every good deed. Now, just look at that. Look at that verse. Look at all the times where he includes everything, all, everything, always. I mean, in everything. He, it's over and over again. There's absolute after absolute. Now, I want to remind you, this is not me writing this, right? This is Paul writing this by inspiration of the Holy Spirit. In other words, we know that every scripture is inspired by the Holy Ghost, by God himself. So this is God speaking to his church. God speaking to his church says this, and God, and he basically is saying it like this, and I am able, I am able to make all grace abound to you. Not half grace, not a part of grace, all grace abound to you so that always so at what point will this not be happening never it's always so always having all sufficiency anybody ever felt like they haven't had sufficient means and funds and health and everything else besides me yeah a lot of that comes because we don't know this as truth and we don't stand on it like it's the truth. So what I'm telling you today is something to help you know something so that the more you hear it, the more you get it in your head, you'll start to drop down into your heart. And when you believe God with your heart, that thing will come out. Amen? Amen. All right. So God is able to make all grace abound to you so that always having all sufficiency in a few things... No, in everything, 
in everything. Again, here again, he lists everything. This is amazing. Man, you talk about a power-packed verse. It's chock full of all. Chock full of everything. You may have an abundance. Not just enough. Not just to the full. Till it overflows. An abundance. More than enough. El Shaddai, my God, is more than enough. All the old-timey folks, they got a song running through their hand right now, head right now. You may have an abundance for a few good deeds. For every good deed. See, God wants you walking in abundance in everything, always having all sufficiency. This is the will of God. This is the Holy Spirit writing this to you. Wouldn't, it be, uh, wouldn't he be a junkie God? I have your attention. Wouldn't he be a junkie God if he wrote a verse like that but then didn't come through with it? Yeah, he would. Is our God's character and nature like that? You better believe he's not. Better believe he's not. But I'm telling you what, the world has worked on us and worked on us since we were this high. The world has worked on us and worked on us to tell us that the character of our God, the character of our Lord Jesus, is not what he said it was. But see, it's not that he's not that way. It's that he's put the power to believe his character and his nature and his promises in our hands. And either we know the promise or we don't know the promise, or we know the promise and we don't believe it. Or we know the promise and we believe it and we walk in it. And then we start to walk in always, in all sufficiency and abundance for every good deed, in everything. Now we're talking about where Christ wants the church to be. It goes right along with our message we talked about last week. You remember last week we talked about the world constantly wants to point at where you're at in this world. And yet Jesus wants us to understand that in Ephesians chapter 2, we are seated in heavenly places far above all principality and power. All things are under his, his feet. He raised us up with him and seated us with him in heavenly places in Christ and with him. This is amazing. So in other words, when we start to look at that problem, we're to look at it from the position of seated with him in, in glory, not look at it from our position here on the earth. So when we start to see verses like this and we know where we're seated, all of a sudden this stuff starts to line up. This is what believers are supposed to believe. Are we believers or are we doubters? I mean, if we're doubters, then we can take that verse and doubt it. But if we're believers, we need to stand up for what we say we are. If we're Christians, we're believers. We're believers. Well, that was good preaching. So now here's my question. Leave that verse up on the screen. What do we do when we start moving into abundance? See, a lot of times what happens is this. This, this is what happens. People, 
when you get into a church that really does believe that God is real, and you get around some people that believe that way, they start to see the power of God work and move. And, and uh, I'm convinced, we've been talking about it a lot, that what we think is great is below what God calls normal, right? I'm convinced that God's normal is way, way, way higher than what we think is good and great convinced of it now he started talking to me about that a year or so ago and man i'm i'm living it now i'm 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 desiring to walk in and i hope you are too we've been talking about it a lot but here's the thing you start looking at that and you get in a church that starts believing like that i've watched we've watched over the years over eight years people come in and i'll tell you this the people that come in and stay their life goes like this and just starts going up because they're doing everything right? No, they're just being obedient to get in church, like the Word says in the full counsel of the Word. But then, they're not just in a church that's preaching an average word, or even a, you're a, a piece of junk word. A lot of churches, they'll tell you how bad you are, and we got to, you know, Jesus is so good, but you're so bad, right? Well, we were so bad. We'll be talking about that. That's my message in a few minutes. Y'all hold on. Quit pulling that out of me. Amen. And so, but if you'll get into it, that all of a sudden what will happen is you get in a church that believes this stuff just by being there and having the word preached in faith. You remember when Jesus preached and it says that the Pharisees, they said, where does he get such authority? Right? You know what he did? He believed the Father. Well, you get in a church that's preaching the word like that, all of a sudden what happens is that faith, it's imparted into you. It starts, when I preach it, there's more than words that start hitting you. There's a faith that starts building in you. In Romans 10, 17, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word. And in context, it's the word preach and so all of a sudden faith starts coming in you, into you because I believe what I'm saying. And then all of a sudden, you start building, and, and things come up in your life. You're like, no, that's not right. And so you get in a church like that, and your life starts to go up and up. And as long as you're going, and then you start being obedient to God, you can kind of marry your obedience and what you're getting fed. It's kind of like eating right and going to the gym. Maybe that's a bad example because we don't, there's not a whole lot of people that do that, but that's what we're supposed to do. And so we eat right and we exercise. Man, where, where are we heading to, according to that verse? Abundance. So what do we do with abundance? Oh, what's the world? Let, let me ask you this. Let's not put it on us. Oh, you know, goodness gracious. What's the world taught us to do with abundance? Who earned abundance? I. I did. We did. It's who who does it belong to? Me. Me. Thank you, Randy. <laughs> Somebody's with me. Amen. <laughs> so then if it belongs to me and I earned it, then I get to do with it what I want, right? And so we go out and we buy all kinds of stuff and get ourselves in trouble most of the time. We just spend, spend, spend it. And uh, abundance, uh, we look at it honestly, and, and here's the truth, as much as we don't want to admit it, pretty much all of us in here need to still renew our mind for what abundance is really for. 
See, the Lord says in that verse, let's put that verse back up there, 2 Corinthians 9, 8. 2 Corinthians 9, 8 says, The Lord says abundance is for every good deed. Now, part of his good deeds is your life. But see, that's up for him to determine. So what we're doing is we're like, well, he wants to bless me anyway. Yeah, he does. So let him. Stop being like a self-fulfilling prophecy. <laughs> right? Stop trying to make abundance happen on your own, in your own life, and let him do that. So a lot of times we'll take abundance and what happens is we, we give abundance straight to ourselves. And, and I asked this question last week. Did we even ask the Lord what it was there for? Nicole and I have made it a habit now if something comes into our lives, um, unless somebody says specifically, the Lord told me to tell you to do this with it, you know, like if they're trying to bless us or something. Um, but even at that point, we made it a habit now that if something comes into our lives, we say, Lord, what do you want us to do with this? We don't just assume it's the Lord wanting to put it in our hands for us to keep. We ask. And the question is, have we even asked? Because according to God's definition of abundance, abundance is to do His good deeds. In context, it's His good deeds. So we should start to change the framework of our thinking and say that. Now, I say that to, you know, I was going to say this. I didn't know it was going to turn into an offering, but, you know, preacher. And uh, so what happens is, it's your fault. You let me get up there. I mean, I told you I was going to do it, but you let me. So, <laughs> so one of the things that happens is this. When we start to let this change our thinking, we start to see what, what happens when we make that a priority. Well, Matthew 6, 33. Seek first his kingdom, which that's what abundance is supposed to go to, and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. And those are physical things. See, people have it backwards, and what they'll do is they'll take their abundance and waste it when their abundance can actually turn and reproduce and multiply. A lot of times in business, a lot of new business owners, they start making a little bit of money and they don't reinvest it to grow the business. A few years, they're worn out and they don't have any money and they don't have any business. You know, I've owned several businesses, but you've got to understand that at some point, you've got to, you've got to take that money and reinvest it back and seek the Lord on wisdom on how to do it. You know what's even funner than owning a business? funner as opposed to more fun because funner sounds better is funner what's funner about business is running a business with Jesus and with the Holy Spirit at the helm you love me this morning <laughs> it's obvious isn't it yeah amen amen you've got to if I keep throwing this stuff out there so anyway it's more fun to let the Holy Spirit lead us in that abundance right so, what's abundance for? It's for his kingdom. Where do you put it in his kingdom? Well, generally, the majority of the things that you produce go to the place where you're planted. Not everything. Not everything. 
Not everything at all. But that's generally the way nature works. That's the design and that's the example that God's done. Here's what we have going on. I was just going to say this and talk, talk to you about the uh, abundance. It really felt like the Holy Spirit wanted me to give you some teaching on that. But uh, when we have abundance, this is for anybody that is wanting and desiring to give over and above their tithes and offerings. It's, it's probably not for everybody, and if it's not for you, then you just let this pass. But we have some needs in our children, and, and in this church, our children are a priority to us. They are a priority. We've got about, um, what was the number? It was about $2,000, I think, 1500 or 2000 I know 1500 covered the project, but then there was one other thing with the children. It was $2,000... In the, I, oh, man, I wasn't even going to tell y'all. That must have been the Holy Ghost. I was not going to tell you an amount. Anyway, there's an amount that we have for the children's ministry. And uh, I wasn't even going to tell you what it was. I was just going to let the Holy Spirit lead you. But we need some stuff. One of the things is we have, we have some brand new mothers, and we're expecting more to come in. And we have some young children. And we need some uh, tables in the bathroom uh, so that they can cleanly change the baby diapers, stuff like that, a place where a mom can put a seat there. There's some other things that we need to do in the children's and just have some stuff. Uh, is it stuff that we absolutely have to have? No, not at all. It's where we want to believe God and we as a church are believing God for that to be provided for. And if you feel that the Lord wants you to do that, if you don't, don't. But he wants you to give over and above your you know, tithe, normal tithes and offerings to that, then do it. That's what abundance is for. And here's what you can do. I love this. This, this is one of the most fun things to do. It's funner. Um, is that when you actually hear of something like this, you know, that you say, Lord, let me be a part of that. You might not have it right now. I can't tell you how many times we've not had what we wanted to do. And we say, Lord, bring me, let me pay that whole thing. All right, $2,000. I believe you for 2000 and God will bring that over and above your normal. And then all of a sudden, now that's, you know, if we're not, haven't completely renewed our mind, don't spend it now. We just talked about that. But when he does bring it to you, then you bring it for that reason. That's what he gave it to you for. He trusted you to give that as a seed into his kingdom. And so you just believe it. So in other words, we could have everybody here today, nobody had anything, no leading to give, and yet somebody has a heart to be a generous giver and an abundant giver and say, Lord, make that, I want to be that person. I'm believing you for that. So we've got that. We've got uh, some video stuff we've got to handle. I'm not going to tell you how much that is. I remember not to tell you. But you just ask the Lord, Lord, can I give to it? If you have a heart to If you don't, don't. Don't. There's no pressure on that. If you don't, then you just say, Lord, is there, you know, is there something? Can I be a part of that? Yes, because he'll tell you yes, because it's his will. And uh, then you say, how much would you like for me to? How much would you like for me to do, to believe you for? And either you have it now or he'll bring it in or he'll do whatever, but he will supply the seed for you to sow. We watched him do that time and time again. And so you just believe God, whether it's the children's stuff or the video stuff 
You just believe God for that and watch Him bring it through. When it's done, I'll tell you that it's done. But basically, we just want to serve our moms a little bit better and serve our kids a little bit better in that area. And we want to serve the video thing. We want to serve. There's people that are literally will watch this around the world. There's some stuff He's told us to do that we haven't even shared yet that's going to happen. And we're going to touch. We're going to share life's word around the world. And you get to be a part of it. And you already are a part of it just by being here today. Amen? Amen. Amen. So, what we want to do, if you're watching on live stream and you want to give, uh, do I have, is my envelope down there? Because I wasn't going to do, nope, I got it, I got it. So, everybody should have an envelope. And this is one of the things that we, I love, is this. And I love talking about it. Even if you don't have an envelope, or even if you did not, uh, if you don't have an envelope, just raise your hand. We will get you one, whether you're going to give or not. If you don't have an envelope, will you just raise your hand real quick and let us get one in your hand? Anybody? Yeah, let Roger get one there. One back there. Amen. Anybody else? Just raise your hand. Now, whether you're going to give or not, what we just did is we just gave seed to the sower so you can start the process of God moving you to abundance because you don't even have to fill it out you don't have to give a thing and you can come up and give that envelope because that envelope cost us something and when you give it back it's one we don't have to buy instead of leaving it in your Bible to get crumpled and, and, and wrinkled and then you throw it away in three months just throw it back in here then that's one we don't have to buy you just sowed back. So everybody here has seed today, whether they plan to give or not. I love that, right? But here's the thing. If you're giving, one of the things about giving is this, that you want to do it in a heart of worship. God says, don't give under compulsion. I'll tell you right now, if you feel the pressure to give, please don't. Please don't. I'm, ser I'm very serious. I'd rather you have it than to give under compulsion and break what he said to do, right? I'd rather you not do that. But today, if you're giving, and on any level, it doesn't matter. Remember, the biggest offering recorded in, in um, the Bible was basically two cents, the widow's mites. That was, that was the biggest offering, two cents. So it doesn't matter how much. What matters, here's what matters. It is about how much, but it's not how much the money is. It's how much of your heart are you giving. That's what matters. God loves a cheerful giver, and he makes a promise to a cheerful and abundant giver. He will supply and multiply the seed sown, and he will bring a harvest on it, and it'll be awesome. And he wants to do that in our lives. And sometimes when we give financially, the Lord blesses us spiritually. Sometimes when we give spiritually, he blesses us financially. We just receive, we receive whatever the Lord has, whatever harvest it is. But let's just stand up and play a little bit of music lightly. And this is an act of worship. I always like me personally. It's like when I lift my hands, it says, lift in holy hands unto the Lord. This represents my life. This represents some of my work. It represents who I am and what I have. And I'm saying, Lord, what I have and who I am, I'm giving it to you. Whether it be serving in the church or it be a worship during a worship song or making the right choices or whether it be money, it all falls.
falls into worshiping the Lord. This is a part of my worship. Me personally, I love, you don't have to do this at all. Just let the Lord lead you, but I love holding it up. And just, just Lord, this is you. This is for you. It's holy to me. It's my honor, Father. It's our honor to give to you who has given so much to us. And whether we're giving here in person or whether we're, you know, clicking a button online, Lord, we give it in the heart of worship. Thank you, Lord. Lord, you did not have to give us not one thing, and yet you did out of your grace. Father, we receive that grace. We praise you for it. And Lord, we, we graciously give back to you. And the word says in this, in this world, men receive tithes and offerings, but what really happens in the heavenlies is Jesus receives it. So when we receive it, we're not receiving it for ourselves. We're receiving it on his behalf. I can tell you at Boomerang, we take that incredibly seriously. This is part of your life. This is your seed. This stuff changes things. It's important to you, and it's important to us. And the most important is it's important to God. Father, we receive on our gift today, and we thank you for it in Jesus' name. So just in a heart of worship, just bring your offering right on up and drop it in. Lord, I just pray right now as they bring that, that it will be pressed down, shaken together, running over in the hands of everyone. People shall give unto them in Jesus' name. Lord, I just thank you for it. Thank you for what you're doing. Thank you, Father, for people that will hear from you and will listen and be obedient. Lord, thank you that lives are changing today in their finances, in their health, in their freedom, Lord. They're being restored, delivered, saved, and set free in Jesus' name. Amen. Glory to God. Amen. Hallelujah. This is quick announcements. Y'all can go ahead. Oh, you, okay. Y'all can sit right there. Amen. <laughs> quick announcements. Tonight, I will be speaking in Norwood at Mount Zion United Methodist and at 6 p.m. It's going to be awesome. Uh, come and join us. You are invited. Uh, also, pretty much every Sunday, a big portion of us go out to eat. Last week, uh, we went to the Mexican place. This week we're going to Blue Bay. Those are like the two places in town that have big enough tables for everybody to go. So it's important that we hang out with our family. The summer blast has been awesome. We've had six weeks of kids coming and playing every Tuesday and Thursday from 9 a.m. to 11. And uh, I'm glad the kids weren't coming at 9 p.m. But that's, anyway, um, they've been coming and this is the last week. This is the last week. Uh, Tuesday and Thursday, so if you haven't been, come, let your co kids come and play, and uh, Thursday will be our last day. It's been awesome. The Lord's done great things, and it's been a lot of fun. And then, uh, let's see here, Saturday, August, uh, that's funny. Everybody has your handout. Look how August is spelled. That's really cool. Saturday, August 19th, we'll be serving at the Agri-Civic Day, giving out water and just loving on people. Uh, mark that on your calendar. And then definitely mark Wednesday, September 6th, 
Dr. Rodney Howard Brown will be coming to do our building dedication. Talked to him earlier this week. It's going to be awesome. Amen. Amen. Life groups and prayer get plugged in, and uh, they are, that's where things are happening, is in people that are plugged in with that. So let's turn to Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 4. Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 4. Last week we started a series called Made to Reign, and you are made to reign. You, you believe that? Are you convinced of it? You were made to reign. You were made to reign. You were made to reign. You were made and designed to reign. It's who you are in Christ. It might not have been who we were before Christ, but it is who you are in Christ. And even if we are B.C. before Christ in our own lives, you can be made to reign right now. You can receive it for yourself today and step up to new places. And so I want to. we started in this series, and last week we talked about like I said earlier, being seated in heavenly places and raised up with Christ. So uh, in one of the things that happens in baptism is baptism is symbolic that we were dead to the old life and we were raised up to a new life, right? And so we're supposed to get up out of the water and go sin no more. Who, whoever's ever done that? All righty. That's what I thought. Me either, right? But here's the thing. The grace of God, thank goodness, is awesome. There was one sacrifice once for all time through Jesus Christ where he sprinkled his blood in the holy of holies in heaven, and it covered all of that stuff. And as we turn to the Lord and confess our sins and we repent, he is faithful and just to forgive us all of our trespasses and set us free. That's an awesome thing. But see, one of the things about baptism is this as well, is that once he went into that grave, at one point, eventually, he had to ascend to the Father, right? And then, at one point, it's all done. He left the earth for good. He ascended, you know, for the most part is what I'm saying. He left, his mission was finished in the earth for that moment and for that age. And he ascended to the uh, to the Father, sat down at the right hand of the Father, the seat of authority, and that is when everything was completely complete. Amen? And so baptism is not only a symbolism that we should rise up and not sin anymore, but baptism is also a symbol, a symbol that just like Jesus ascended to the right hand of the Father, we did too. We did too. My position, although my physical body may be on the earth, my spiritual position is in heavenly places. And let me show you those scriptures here. Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 4 says this, But God, being rich in mercy, because of His great love, His great love, but God, being rich in mercy. He's rich in mercy towards you. That means he, what, what's he saying? What's he want to do with his abundance of mercy? That's a great question. It's 
so glad you asked. He wants to give us his abundance. He wants to advance his kingdom out of his own abundance. Where do we think we get the example from? What did Jesus do with his abundance of mercy? He took his abundance of mercy and he overflowed it over onto us, right? That's exactly what he did. He believed God for an abundance. You know that Jesus didn't want to go to the cross people are like what he said in the garden when he was praying he said not my will but yours be done not my will but yours be done in other words what he was saying was i don't want to do this but he said even though i don't want to do this i will do what you want and he prayed for strength and he prayed that the Lord would be with him and strengthen him. He believed God for abundance of strength to complete the mission. The context of the word shows us that, that he believed God, and he had to believe God the same way that we do. So when we were talking about abundance earlier, yeah, we're talking about finances, but the word says this. He says that finances is the bottom. These are the little things. But here's one great thing about finances. When you start to understand finances, man, is anybody believing God for some finances? Because he has had, okay, amen. He's, he's had me on it this morning. So, but w- see, when we start to understand some things about finances, what happens is we start to understand some things about how to draw on mercy, how to draw on strength, how to draw on compassion when we don't feel like it. We want to slap the snot out of them. Y'all didn't recognize that tone of voice because you're holy, but I've had it before. And so it, but here he says, but God being rich in mercy, he had an abundance of mercy. He wanted to pour it out because of his great love with which he loved us. Verse 5, even when we were dead in tres- our transgressions, even when. So he didn't just pour out his mercy and his love when we had it all together. He poured it out even when we were all messed up. Man, that's love. I mean, how many times do you feel like pouring out love and compassion and forgiveness when somebody all messed up keeps taking it from you? I mean, is that the way we feel? Man, when we were all messed up, that's when he poured out that mercy. That's his great love for us. And then he says this, even when we were dead in our transgressions, made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved. By grace. By grace. By grace. By grace. And raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. He raised us up. He didn't leave us here in this earthly position, this corrupted position only. No, spiritually, we are seated with Christ. Now, if you have your handout, pull it out right now, and look at that first verse in Ephesians uh, chapter 2, and look at it in verse 6, if you have your handout, and you'll notice that I, like, capitalized a couple of letters in a couple of words. He raised it. This is not something we're waiting on. This is, anybody ever had an English class where the, when they added the ED at the end, it meant, it meant it's done. It's already happened, right? 
and he seated. We're not waiting on this. My wife's laughing at me. We're not waiting on this. We're not waiting on it. We have it. When we are in Christ and when we have become Christians and we've become born again, this is already done. He raised us up and seated us. This is past tense. This has already happened. So our position is not in the corrupted world alone by ourselves. Is that not the way that we feel when the attacks come? Because that's what the enemy's trying to get you to feel. He's trying to get you to feel alone. He's trying to get you to feel helpless, powerless, unloved. He's trying to get you to move. I'm, what is going on this morning? I'm like, I got, I got jokes. They're really dry, and only a few people are getting them, but it's, it's working for me. Amen. So here, so anyway, we're, the devil tries to get us in that place. Why? So that we will take our eyes off of the actual place where we are raised up and seated already. Because if he can get our eyes off of where we are spiritually, then we will respond in the world physically and logically. And we're not supposed to respond physically and logically. We're supposed to respond faithfully spiritually we're supposed to know who we are and know who Jesus is because we're in him we're supposed to know what's happened that the devil has had his teeth kicked in and this this you know we fight the good fight of faith and we war a good warfare but our warfare is different than a worldly warfare this warfare in earthly terms is over it's over it's over. I remember, um, I hope nobody knows this video. Anyway, I remember watching a video when YouTube came out, and it was uh, some street fighting, like real deal people street fighting, you know. And uh, they heard, heard about this guy. And uh, this one guy's name, uh, now y'all probably heard of him now, but a lot of people didn't know of him then. His name's Kimbo, and uh, he's passed away now. And he wasn't doing good. And I shouldn't have been watching it. I get it. Forgive me, please. But the Holy Spirit brought it to my remembrance. He's really connecting some stuff with you today. I remember he was fighting this guy in the backyard, and the video's all fuzzy and grainy and everything. And, uh, man, they're fighting. And the guy comes up, and, I mean, he just wails on Kimbo. And, uh, and about that time, Kimbo takes the shot uh, like that, and he goes. He was like. He didn't say this, but this is what he was saying. He's like, if that's all you got, the next words that did come out of his mouth was, it's over. Oh, this is over, right? Because he's like, if that's all you got, it's over. See, when you start to understand who you are in Christ and where you are, it's over. Oh, devil, that's all you got? It's over. That's it? All you got is trying to get me in fear, trying to get me to move from a position of a physical nature, a corrupted nature? If that's all you got, I'm not that guy. I'm this guy. I'm seated in heavenly places in Christ. It's over, right? It's over. It's over. 
See, when you start to know who you are and know who you are in Christ and know who Christ is and what He's done for you, it's over with the devil. Jesus says this, All power and authority is given unto me. How much power and authority did that leave for the devil? None. He doesn't have any, but what we give him when we view ourselves as the earthly man. When we view ourselves and respond as the earthly man, we actually hand the God of this earth, the devil, we hand him some of our authority, and that's when he just wipes the floor with us. Because we are fighting on the wrong plane. We're fighting in the wrong atmosphere. We need to fight from up here. And this is our fight. You know, it's like, uh, you know, we rest or do we fight? You know, we're, we do good to enter into rest. Do we rest or do we fight? Or do we rest or do we fight? This is our fight. We enter into the rest of God and seat ourselves in heavenly places with Him. That's the fight. That's the fight. We sit there, and while it looks like everything's going bad, we continue our faith and our confession, and we all, all we have to do is be obedient to whatever God says to do. That's it. We just rest in Him. That's our fight. Fighting the good fight of faith is believing that this battle is already over. Our fight is to rest. Just sit on that. You need to hear that. I, I, let these words, Father, come back to him in the middle of the week. My fight is to rest. Say that with me. Say, my fight is to rest in him. In Him, we live and move and have our being. In Him, we live. We have fullness of life. In Him, we live and move and have our being. My fight is to rest in Him. My fight is to rest in Him. And you just think about it now. Man, you just think about it. When you're in the middle of that situation, isn't that where the devil takes the fight? Right to your brain, trying to get you out of peace, out of rest, worry. He starts talking to you like this. Well, you know, if God, if, if God will come through. That's the devil. That's the corrupted flesh talking to you, whose nature is the devil. If God will come. Are you kidding me? God's coming through. He's already come through. We're seated and we are raised up with him. It's done. It's over. What are you talking about? If. There's no ifs. The only if is if I will enter into the rest. And sit down instead of working my little fingers to the bone over a situation that Jesus has already handled. Our fight is to rest. If you're getting something, say amen. amen. Is it helping you? Amen. Our fight is to rest in Him. Our fight is to rest. 
Our fight, say it again, our fight is to rest in him. Is to rest in Jesus. Yeah. He's already won it. He said it is finished. It's finished. It's finished. Our fight is to rest in him. See, when we start resting in him, verse 7, he does this so that in the ages to come, he might show the surpassing riches of his grace in kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. Now see, an unbelieving and unchildlike would look at in the ages to come, they would say, well, that's in the sweet by and by. That's just talking about whenever, whatever age comes. Well, I'm in an age now. You see, it's a child a child be like, if I'm seated and raised up with him, then I'm there. That's what a child does. An adult tries to figure out why they shouldn't have it, and we're going to deal with that another day. But in this Made to Rain series, it may be 30 parts. I don't know, um, because I'm not even getting into the message today, but this is pretty good. This is the Holy Spirit's one. That's probably better. So that in the ages to come, he might show what? The surpassing riches. Not just riches, but surpassing riches. Now, is he talking about money? Not really. He's talking about everything. He's talking about life and life to the full till it overflows. The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But I've come, Jesus said, that they might have life and have it in abundance. The Amplified says to the full till it overflows John 10 10 but the thief comes to steal kill and destroy the, the word also says that the devil goes about as as he not he isn't one but he goes about as a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour who may he devour the one who doesn't know that they're seated who may he devour the one who tries to take on the fight physically logically who may he devour? The one who doesn't know. See, a lot of times I'm giving you head knowledge today, but this is a message that you want to hear again and again. I'm telling you what, you, you want to go listen to last week's too because there are some keys in here that will come up when you're in the middle of that fight and you'll start hearing me say, hear my voice, but it's really the Holy Spirit bringing it to remembrance, saying, the fight is to rest in Jesus. The fight is to rest in Jesus. And the one who doesn't rest in his seated position of authority is the one that the devil can devour. Man, Oh, glory to God. Father, we worship you and we praise you and we thank you. Thank you for your goodness and your mercy. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for seating us. Thank you for raising us, Lord. Thank you for giving us a fight. Thank you for giving us the power to enter rest. Father, as a people, we receive that and we move in and we walk in it in Jesus' name. Glory to God. Glory to God. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God. And it's a gift, verse 9, not as a result of works, so that no one may boast. 
So you got a lot of people, as much as we know this today, you still have a lot of people who are trying to get into heaven by their good works, and it doesn't work. It's, it's, not, it's not the way it works. We do good works because he's done great things for us. We love him because he first loved us. That's why we do those things. For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand so that we would walk in them. So that we would walk in them. What are we supposed to walk in? Good works. How do we walk in good works? We receive surpassing riches of His grace. How do we receive the surpassing riches of His grace? We receive Christ and we seat ourselves in heavenly places. When we start seeing ourselves as there, then we start to walk in these things. When we start to walk in these things, we become a carrier of these things. And then when somebody needs something, what happens is we're there and we're carrying more than just what you see in a human's frame. There's more there than meets the eye. Amen? There's more. We're ambassadors of the kingdom of God. We're sent here on assignment. It's not just pastors. It's every believer. Every, he's talking to every believer when he says you're seated, you're raised up. You're, it's already happened. It's already happened. Amen? You were made to reign. Let me give you this little thing here and then we'll wrap it up. Uh, you don't have to, don't, don't go to these verses. I just want to be... I want to be quick with this. You were made to reign. See, right there in those verses, Ephesians 2 through 10, man, power-packed verses. It says that you were saved by faith through grace, correct? All right. And then over in Romans 10, 9 and 10, it's on your sheet so you can go back and refer to it. But in Romans 10, 9 and 10, it tells us when we confess with our mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in our heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart a person believes, resulting in righteousness, and with the mouth he confesses, resulting in salvation. Now, just, I made a note there and I said that the faith reaction, if we're a believer and we have faith, the reaction to the gift of righteousness is that we confess. And you see right there also a plan. If you need a part of salvation, salvation is going to heaven. That's the great miracle that happens. It reconnects us with God. But another thing that happens in salvation is this, is that we receive healing, prosperity, restoration, deliverance, protection. All of those things. Basically, to be saved means if we can be saved from any situation, He saved us from it. Whether it be going to hell, or whether it be a bill collector, or whether it be a, a sickness, He has saved us from it. And part of the reason how you can see that more easily is if you start thinking like a kid. If, if you told a kid, this is your Savior, they'd be like, He saves me from everything. It's an adult that goes, well, I'm only going to heaven. 
That's adult thinking because we've adopted more of the world's logic. But by, if a kid hasn't adopted as much corrupted thinking, you tell them there's a Savior, and they're like, what's he saving me from? He's saving me from not having any ice cream. And they're right. He's saving, amen. We got, anybody want to be saved from not having ice cream? Can I get an amen? Amen. But see, a kid will believe that way. Like, other night, our, our son Luke, he's four years old. He's like, yeah, what was it he wanted? He wanted something, some toy. He's like, I'm going to ask Jesus for it. <laughs> some transformer, yeah, I'm sure. He's like, I'm going to ask Jesus for it. Well, see, an adult will say, now, we can't ask Jesus for a transformer. That's what an adult would say. But a kid, they're like, uh-uh. I mean, which one of your kids doesn't go to the fridge and just drink all the stuff that you want? <laughs> all the parents. I can tell who the parents are. A kid just go in there like, hey, it's in the house. It's mine. That's the way a kid thinks. That's the way a kid thinks. We need childlike faith. See, there was a period of time, religion, I would have told him, now we can't pray for a transformer, you know, let's pray for the, you know, somebody that really needs help, right? Let's pray for that. And then the reason I make fun of that is because that's what religion does. There are people that need help, but if you can't get help yourself here, what, you think your prayers are going to work halfway around the world if you're, they won't work in your own life? Now we're getting real, you see, it's, that's silliness. And they're not going to work if you don't come to God like a child. Like a child. See, a religion, wrongly, a spirit of religion would tell him, don't you pray for that. And God's saying, why not? I want to bless him. I want to see him smile. Well, we've got 14,000 of them. I'm sorry. I thought abundance was of God. Man, we're all, we're all over some spirit of religion and finances today. But see, all you're telling me is that you really, really don't know who God is. See, if we can start getting some understanding and doctrine over finances, you'll start seeing it lead to healing and deliverance and the power of God. Matter of fact, that's exactly how he told us. Man, we, if anybody ever needed prayer over finances... These guys did, right? Man, we needed it. We needed help. <laughs> we needed help. Mm. I hear the joke, you know, I, like I get what they mean. They're like, we weren't poor, we were poke. I, I get that. Ah, we were right there. We were poke. And you realize even today we have more abundance than what most people do. Glory to God. We didn't do that. That was the Lord. But we're still poor because we're not walking in everything God's got for us. We've limited ourselves. The Christians, I heard a, a thing the other day said, even if the Christians gave all the money they had, they wouldn't solve the poor problem. That's not a money problem. That's a faith problem. That's a you don't know who God is problem. Because when you start to understand that the power is in his word, 
That means that Christians for too long have not been thinking as a child towards God, and that's why they don't have seed. Because he said, I will give seed to the sower. What you're saying is, I'm not a sower. Uprooting some of these wrong thinking. Are you a prosperity preacher? Yes. Yes, I am. I'm probably overboard. Yes. Yes, I am. Probably a lot more than you're comfortable with. Yes. You know why? Because God is a prosperity God. Why? Because it's not all about you. It's about that abundance that goes in His kingdom. And if you don't not walking in prosperity, how can you have abundance for every good deed? He said, man, we need to have a financial seminar in the Word. That's the only one that works. Anyway, let me get back on track. But who, who needs that? Who, who's been needing that? Amen. See, we, we want to act holy and say, just get back to the Word, preacher. You know, we just want get just get back to Jesus. I am talking about Jesus. I'm talking about what he did. And if you can't see it in money, you're not going to see it in his love either. If you can't see it in money, you're not going to see it in health. If you can't see it in money, then you're not going to see it uh, in his restoration. You're not going to see it in his protection. You're not going to see it in any place. You're not going to see it in your body because you don't understand his love. When you start to understand his love, the money thing gets solved just like that. Because it's like this. What child of mine, if they came with a need, a true need, I'm not talking about a fleshly desire. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about what child of mine would come with a need or a want that was not just a fleshly desire, that I wouldn't give it to them. And I'm a dad, according to the word, that still has evil and corruption inside of me because I still have a flesh. How much more will the Father give to those who ask? This is a hard issue about knowing who God is. It's supposed to be a message about righteousness. And it is. And it is. See, if you need this message, if you need this message, either one, you're going, yeah, I needed that. Man, I need to hear that. That, that it builds up my faith. But this is the other person that also needs this message. Mm, I don't like that. I wish he'd move on. And I've been that guy. And that, you know what's happening is, because all I'm giving you, I'm giving you the word. I might not be quoting scripture every time, but I promise you I'm coming straight out of the word in every bit of this. And what's happening is the Holy Spirit through my mouth is putting, putting his finger on that issue, not in you, in your spirit. And what you're feeling 
is not. I don't like him and I don't like what he's preaching. What you're feeling is the discipline of the Holy Spirit. And if you will submit yourself to the word, all of a sudden that thing that's been holding you back and keeping you seated in the earth will let go of you so you can then be seated in heavenly places. But right now you're more concerned about and this might not be any, it's not anybody here. It has to be somebody watching the live feed or on Facebook. Definitely not here. But what happens is because we won't face that thing and humble ourselves to the word and believe the fullness and the goodness of who God is, we stay seated there instead of in heavenly places. That was the other thing that we had done this year. I knew there was one more. We, we've already given away four cars, vehicles this year. One a couple of weeks ago, y'all saw it. Four cars. Families that needed it. People that needed it. Man, what a blessing. That thrills my heart so much. Who am I bragging on? God. Who gave me the seed to do it? Gave us the seed to do it. God. It's not us. You know how much power I have to get that without him? None. He's the one who gives you the power to get wealth and adds no sorrow to it. That's scripture. He adds no sorrow, no toil with it. That's scripture. See, the person that will take hold of this message and that will receive it and humble themselves to the word Go look up, listen to this again, write down some of the things I'm saying, go look up those and you'll find, start finding these scriptures. The person that will humble themselves, what will happen is they will break the yoke of bondage, of debt and poverty, not just in finances, but spiritually as well. They will take their seat with Christ and now they will start to walk in the abundance that God's called them to. And all of a sudden, when somebody has a need, they'll be able to say, they won't have to say anymore, well, I wish I had some to give you. They'll be able to say, here, here it is. I've got this, finances, and more. Here, well, here's what I also have. Take this and pray for them, and the power of God's released into them, and they get healed instantly and delivered. But you don't walk in that kind of stuff without accepting by faith as a child who the Lord is. And He is love, and He loves you. Man, He loves you. Man, He loves you. Man, He loves you. And all He wants is to get it through to you. And when He gets it through to you, all of a sudden you'll be a different person. He loves you. He says up in Ephesians, we're saved by grace in Romans uh, righteousness helps us bring us to the place of salvation. What I was saying is everything that's in salvation, once we understand that we've been given the gift of righteousness, we will start to confess and believe those things because we're seated with Him and confession will bring us to salvation. It's not just when we get born again, but in any area that we need saved in, from that point forward, we can start to confess the promises of God and believe on them, and we will see them in our lives. Now, in Romans 5, 17, it says this. It says that He's given us the abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness. The gift of righteousness. Romans 5, 17. Tracy Harris, Pastor Tracy Harris, says this. In this kingdom, 
we reign by righteousness, not by performance, but by position. Then it says in Romans 5, 18 through 21, I'll just go uh, down uh, to verse 21. It says, sin reigned in death, even so grace would reign through righteousness. Through righteousness. You have been given a gift, and it's the gift of righteousness. And you are saved through grace. And righteousness. You see right here, grace and righteousness are not the same, but they do go hand in hand. And his grace opened up the gift of righteousness. In other words, God, while we were all messed up before Christ, God was sitting on his throne. And the whole time, even while we were sinners and helpless and enemies, according to Romans 5, he looked down upon us and he had a graciousness towards us. And he said, I want to give them of my grace. I want to give them my grace. I want to give them my grace. But there was a problem because they were a broken people. So how does he get his grace to them? And the answer was that he had to get them the gift of righteousness to make them right with himself. And when they received the gift of righteousness, through righteousness, grace could now perform everything it wanted to do. Through righteousness, grace could save you. Through righteousness, grace could heal you. Through righteousness, grace could deliver you. Grace could protect you. Through righteousness. Well, that'd be awesome. We just need some righteousness. Praise God, when Jesus died... He opened up the gift of righteousness to be given to all men. And all that will receive him by faith have the gift of righteousness. Now they're not waiting for the gift. They have been gifted. And they are seated and raised up with him. You see, we reign. Listen to this verse. Verse 21, five, Romans 5.21 so that as sin reigned in death, even so grace would reign through righteousness. Hebrews 1.8 says this, But unto the Son, he said, Thy throne, O God, is forever and ever. A scepter of righteousness is the scepter of thy kingdom. See, the power, a scepter in a king's hand meant something. And when you sit in the throne of God with Christ, when you sit not in God's throne, but seated with Christ at the right hand of the Father, seated with Him in royalty in heavenly places, the place of authority, the scepter of the kingdom is the gift of righteousness. The scepter of the kingdom. And we were designed, and you were designed, to reign in this life. To reign. It says you will reign through righteousness. You are righteous. Just to show you a picture, God needed grace to get through. And grace is what solves all those problems. But he did it through righteousness. We'll go on to talk about righteousness because it is so important. Righteousness is, do you know righteousness is the measure of your maturity? How you walk in it is the measure. Righteousness is the scepter of his kingdom. 
Righteousness empowers you, it strengthens you, it sets you on a firm foundation, the gift of righteousness. And if you're a believer, you, we all have it, but we don't all work, walk in it. We don't all walk in what it, uh, we believe that we're seated here instead of heavenly places. But here's righteousness. Let me give you a good example and then we'll wrap up. Here's, the, here's what it is. Let me, let me talk to the men. Men. Grace is like all the programming on the TV, all the cool stuff like sports and wrestling and golf and whatever else you want to watch, men, all that stuff, MMA. Sure. Who's going to win? McGregor? I hope so. It's all that stuff you want to get to. But right now, this is the way it was in the world. Right now, I'm talking to the men, it's on Lifetime. Righteousness is the remote, right? There was grace out there for you, but you had to be able to get to it and get off a of Lifetime. Righteousness is the remote. Amen? Ladies, I was trying to think of a good one. All I had was... No, no, not TV, is there's a Ghirardelli chocolate store. Did I hit the mark? Am I all right? Okay, I'm good. And there's a whole bunch of stuff in there, and it looks awesome. And you walk in, and you can smell it. But the problem is, you don't have the card with the money on it. Righteousness is the card to make all those wonderful smells a reality. <laughs> Righteousness is that card. See, grace has everything. I spoke in fleshly terms, but in spiritual terms, grace has everything, including every now and then he lets you, you know, watch something fun and even have some chocolate. But, and that's through grace too. But righteousness is the thing. It's the remote. It's the credit card that opens up the door in the kingdom. It's the scepter of his kingdom. It's how we reign, and we need to know more about it. You have the gift of righteousness if you know Christ, and if you don't know Christ, you can. I just ask you and invite you right now to just bow your head. And if right now you say, you know, Pastor, I, I hear what you're saying. Man, I need more of that. I need the remote. I need the credit card with something back in it. I need the gift of righteousness. I need more of God's love operating in my life. And all you have to have is the gift of righteousness. And whether you know him right now or you don't know him right now, you can. And I just ask you right now, just with everybody bowing their head, if you, you need to know him, see... You get the gift of righteousness through fellowship with him and faith in him. If right now you need to walk in more of that, I need more abundance. I need more abundance, not just in finances. I need more love flowing through me. I need more forgiveness flowing through me. I need more grace for sure. If that's you this morning and you just want more, just raise your hand right now. And as you raise your hand, I'm believing that as you raise your hand, you will receive 
from God the revelation and the gift that you need to help solve those issues. So your raising your hand is not just it's not just saying I have a need, it's saying I'm receiving right now. If you're raising your hand, and I'd, I'd just ask everybody to pray this with me. Just say, Father, I need your grace. I need righteousness. I need the remote for this earth. I need the power, the scepter. And I receive Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. He's the director of my life. He calls the shots and I'm obedient. And I believe that he died for me. That he took my sins on him. And that God brought him back to life for me. And when he raised him up, he raised me up. And he seated me in heavenly places. And I now have righteousness. God has declared me righteous. I have the remote. And I walk in it. Fill me, Jesus, with your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Keep your